Good morning. Welcome. It's good to see everybody here this morning, and uh, we are excited and hope you plan on staying for the fellowship time that we're having afterward today. We normally have it on the fifth Sunday, but uh, celebrate David and Suzette being here, we're going to have that today. So we invite you to stay, even if you didn't bring a bunch of food and you just want to stay for a short while, uh, we invite you to be a part of that. I hope you got a bulletin as you came in. We're going to switch a few things just up front for announcements. I'm going to do them first this morning and uh, get those out of the way. And so there's a few things I want to share with you. One is be sure to breakfast. So please mark that on the calendar. So sometimes it's, uh, it comes very quickly in the month, the second Saturday. So we invite you to be a part of that. We also have several announcements you'll see in there. There is no Sunday school today. We want to make sure you know that. So uh, if you're looking for a class, it's probably going to be full of people sitting and eating uh, today. But uh, we do want to invite you to be a part of those uh, in weeks to come. And we encourage you to come and study uh, and fellowship with us. We do want you to fill out a visitor card. If you're here visiting with us, we have a guest card that's there in the pew. And if you'll fill that guest card out, we'll have a record of your visit. Uh, we'll also have the opportunity to contact you and uh, fill you in on our ministries in any way that we can minister to you. But on the back side is the prayer card, and that is what we use to share prayer requests here within the church. Now, let me reiterate for those who are new and visiting, if you fill out that prayer card and give it to us in the plate or into my office, we will pray for you. But we do not put it in the bulletin unless you specifically ask that we publish that for everybody. So please know if you just want the staff to pray for you or me, you can fill that out or call us. But if you want it in the bulletin, please make sure you put on there, please put it in the bulletin or at least call Christy in the office and she's able to, to get that put in the bulletin for you as well. Um, but other than that, the, the big announcement is that uh, we're gonna be fellowshipping today and it's been a blessing to have David and Suzette uh, come and make it here safe. And before we welcome them, I told him he had to be first. It always the race with me. I always want to win. And so I've invited him to first welcome you. And uh, he's going to come this morning, lead us in prayer, and then lead us in a call to worship. So Pastor Dave, please come. Good morning. It's good to be here. And we've been uh, anticipating this day for a while and uh, praying about it. And just excited to be here with you on this beautiful Sabbath morning uh, that the Lord has made. And we rejoice and are glad in it as we come together to worship the Lord. Let's begin with prayer. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. We thank you for your mercy, your grace, and your love for us in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We ask your blessing upon this hour that Christ might be lifted up and glorified in all that is said and done. We thank you for Jesus and his death for us, and we remember that today in the Lord's Supper. Ask your blessing upon our brother as he brings the message this morning as well to open the bread of life to us. Bless this hour to the glory of our King and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our call to worship this morning is from Revelation 22, verse 17 and John 4, 14. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without cost. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never be thirsty. But the water that I will give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to eternal life. Take your hymn books and turn to him.
Amen. You may be seated and keep your bulletins with you as we work through together our confession of faith and then as we follow along in the songs and our uh, confession of sin together. We've been working through the Westminster Larger Catechism and uh, we've worked our way through the Ten Commandments and this morning we pick up in going on question 149 and 150. And so I'll read the question if you would join in reading the answer together with me. Question 149 asks, can anyone perfectly keep the commandments of God? No one can perfectly keep the commandments of God, either on his own or from any divine gift received in this life, but breaks them every day in thought, word, Are all sins equally evil in themselves and in the eyes of God? All sins are not equally evil in the eyes of God. Some of them are more evil in themselves and others more evil because of the harm that results from them. And as we prepare our hearts for prayer this morning, it's a perfect timing of the evils as we know what's been going on in our world and sharing all over us. We have several prayer requests I'd like to pray for, um, but we also have so many things that are going on, as you know, around the world and Christians all over and uh, the turmoil that is taking place. And some sins are more evil as we realize the consequences of what happens. And so this morning, as we remember this in prayer, we also want to remember our congregation. We have several that I would like to list uh, before I pray for them. And then I'll join you in leading you to the throne of grace. And if you would, join me in the Lord's Prayer. But let me update you first and foremost on uh, Mitzi Wicker. Uh, Charles has asked me to share personally that they do covet your prayers. Uh, She had emergency surgery. They did find a tear in her bowel that has been leaking. And so they have that fixed. But now they're going to keep her probably for several more days, watching for infection. Their biggest fear is the infection that can come through that surgery. And so Charles is wanting to covet your prayers. He thanks everyone uh, who has been praying for them, but he asked this morning if we would please just pray for healing and for the lack of infection uh, as we go forward. Uh, I also want to continue to lift up all those who are going through cancer treatments or cancer tests or recovery Uh, We have many in our church that face it on a regular basis, as you all know. Uh, The older we get, the more there is, but we have several uh, that have requested prayer for the doctors as they diagnose uh, procedures that will need to be taken, for those who have been diagnosed and are deciding on what's the best best treatment, and for those who are also following up and having the surgeries and the follow-up that comes with that. So please just keep in prayer as you are this morning, the many in our church that could use that for uh, cancer specifically. And then for those who are recovering from sickness, uh, we have many that are uh, recovering from illnesses, whether it's been the COVID revisited or flus or just sicknesses, please remember them. And then again, as we pray this morning, there's no way to put it in words. Someone asked me earlier this morning, just what do you think is going to happen in this world? And I can only tell you, we covet your prayers for those around the world. Uh, if you were to ask what you would pray for, we would pray for peace in Israel. We would pray for peace in the Gaza Strip. We would pray for peace in Syria. We would pray for peace in Ukraine. We would want peace with the people in Russia. We would, folks, what we're praying for is that we trust the God who is in control of all this is somehow accomplishing what we must trust that all authority is given by him. And so please know that as we take up packages through MTW, we've been doing stuff for Ukraine. Other people have asked if there's a way to minister to other countries. And the easiest thing for our church is if there is something going on through MTW that our church can be a part of, that's an easy link for us to do that. Otherwise, it can be very difficult for us to just try to gather a bunch of funds and send them somewhere and hope that it gets to the right place, as you know. But we covet your prayers uh, as well, that the Lord would just bring about a peace uh, for the many families who have already been torn asunder uh, through the conflicts that are going on. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'll lead us. Um, But I I do want you to, to pray with me in just a moment the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning as we do come before you, we we have no answers, Lord. We trust you. 
We trust that you'll care for the families as you show compassion in our service this morning to us, that you would show that same compassion to those families that are hurting, who have lost loved ones, uh, who have loved ones that have been injured, for the courage that they have stepped forth uh, to overcome evil and terrorism and the acts against your children. Lord, we pray this morning that your compassion would just lead forth and to help us to trust that you are the one faithful good shepherd. Lord, I pray for those who are recovering from sickness, that that same compassion that you show for those who are hurting through conflict would be no different than those who are hurting this morning in recovery that you would help them through their illness, that you would help them in their sicknesses, that, Lord, you would enable them to trust in you through this process. Lord, I I pray for those that are facing cancer, the treatments, the surgeries. Lord, we have many that need to put their trust in you. Lord, we do trust you'll work through the doctors. We trust the wisdom that you've given in this world. But, Lord, nobody knows us like you do. Nobody knows our needs like you do. And nobody knows how to heal us like you do. And so, Lord, we just pray this morning that you would provide a compassion that would just surround those of us who are hurting and need uh, to trust in you. Lord, we pray for the many families in our church. Lord, for whatever it is they're seeking for, direction or healing or concern. Lord, those that just need to be fed. Lord, this morning, help us to realize that you are the great shepherd and you are here to feed us. Help us to rely on you. Lord, we know that all this that we ask, we know that we, again, never deserve it. We've never done anything to earn the right. But through your son, Jesus Christ, in his death, the veil has been torn, access has been opened, and through his sacrifice, we can all boldly come to the throne of grace and pray as you taught us, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. At this time, I'm going to ask the ushers if they'll come forward. And as an offering, I ask that you continue to just pray in your heart this morning as we give, that the Lord would bless this offering and use it to the furthering of his kingdom.
to turn in your bulletin while you're standing, and as we prepare to continue singing and preparing for the sermon, would you take a moment and let us confess our sins together? There at the throne of grace, we all fall short, and as one pastor put it, and I feel the same so many times, we all fall so short when we find ourselves in his presence, and so if you would, pray with me. Most holy and merciful Father, we confess to you and to one another and to the whole communion of saints in heaven and on earth that we have sinned by our own fault. We have intentionally sinned against your holy law. We confess our love for you has been divided amongst things of this world. We confess that others as you have loved us and we have not forgiven others as we have been forgiven. We have grieved your Holy Spirit. We confess to you, Father, all our past unfaithfulness. O oh God, please have mercy on us and forgive our sins. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. And as we find ourselves so short, we also find the encouragement that who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. So who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Thank the Lord that he is there pleading our case to the Father. Let's prepare for this good shepherd this morning as we sing together the songs in your bulletin back to back.
Amen. You may be seated. As they're being seated, let me quickly just pray. Heavenly Father, we open your word this morning as we learn about you, the shepherd, and feeding us. Lord, we do ask that you would give us rest. You would give us rest from the, the worries and the weariness of this world. Lord, bless us and feed us, not just physically. Prepare us for that time of communion together with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you would open your Bibles to Mark, that's where we have been studying together, and it has been an opportunity for us to constantly see how Mark has put forth to us Jesus. No other way to put it, just see Jesus. And so this morning, I want to take you on a quick journey in Mark chapter 6 through the feeding of the 5,000, and I hope I'm able this morning to see or to show what Mark is putting forth, I believe, in the importance of the feeding of the 5,000. I'm going to begin by reading it this time just so it'll be on your mind as I begin to go through it, but I want you to hear it and see it. It actually begins and is prepped where we left off last time or two weeks ago with the disciples or the apostles coming back together with Jesus. They had been sent out and were commanded to do things, and the crowds obviously were touched by them. They eventually came and continued to follow Jesus Christ. But the story picks up there after they had met in verse 31 of chapter 6, and it says, And so Jesus said to them, Come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. For there were many people coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. And they went away in the boat to this secluded place by themselves. And the people saw them going, and many recognized them and ran there together on foot from all the cities and got there ahead of them. And when Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd, and he, left, and he felt compassion for them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it was already late, his disciples came up to him and said, This place is secluded and is already late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and spend 200 denarii on bread and give it to them to eat? But he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go, look. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. And he ordered them all to recline by groups on the green grass. And they reclined in the groups of hundreds and fifties. And he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food, broke the loaves, and gave them to the disciples again and again to set before them. And he divided the two fish among them all, and they ate, and I want you to underline this, and they were satisfied. They picked up 12 full baskets of broken pieces of bread and a fish. There were 5,000 Andres. That's an actual specific word for males who ate the loaves. I want to take you on a journey this morning, hopefully quickly, so we can celebrate the same this morning, but to give you some details about the feeding of the 5,000 and its importance and its setting. It's the one miracle that we have that is recorded in all four Gospels, and therefore it is also the one that is probably the most critiqued by everyone who writes, because when you have four different writers describing a vision that took place in their lives and what they saw, you obviously have some differences. And so whether they ran ahead of the boat, beside the boat, got there right before Jesus, or what little after Jesus, whether it was in Gennesaret or in Galilee, or you could get caught up in all the textual differences between the four Gospels of what is happening in this scenario, or you can just listen to Mark for a minute, who simply puts all that aside because the focus is not on the disciples, and it's not on the people. The focus is on who? On Jesus. And once again, he does something that opens the eyes to those who are able to see and understand something others will not. This morning, I want you to see the importance of this text in realizing that Jesus feeding the 5,000 is a wonderful, wonderful story. 
and the application of what is known as a good shepherd. Not only in the New Testament, but it's a relation that goes back and how God has constantly shown compassion and provided for and fed and gave glimpses of the hope that would come one day in fulfillment when he would spend eternity with his children around a banquet table feasting in the same way. It wasn't just a feeding of the masses. Listen to how it goes. It begins there, if you wish, in the first few verses of coming out to this quiet place. And before he does his miracle, he does the same, which I have prayed many times in my own life when we're caught up in all kinds of things and it's beginning to burden us down and we begin to turn to people in our lives to try to find the answers and we try to come up with answers within our own realms. We realize we need something beyond what this world has to offer. We need to be brought into a place similar, if I could say it, to what John was on the day he was called to be given a vision. Sometimes we need a quiet place of rest. We need the place where only God can speak to us, where our hearts can be encouraged and challenged. And that's what happens in these verses when Jesus simply says, come with me to an Ereman Tapan, to a desert or secluded place. It's the same word for a desert as we've learned before when Jesus calls his people out into the desert. It's the same place throughout history that when God was rescuing his people, he would take them through the wilderness experience. This is the same place when John the Baptist would come preaching. He would come as through the wilderness and bring the people to make the way straight. It's the place that we need to picture that Mark is saying that it's not just the disciples that Jesus calls to himself. Look at the masses of people that are leaving the busyness of life and coming to the deserted place to meet who? Or to find what? Needing to be fed, it's an amazing story because anapao, which is the word that is used for rest here, is also the same word that is translated to be refreshed. It is the word that is used sometimes to remain still. What he's saying is I'm bringing you to a secluded place where you can find a refreshing, uplifting, still moment so that you can be prepared for what's about to come. I know in my own life, I get very antsy when God begins to move. It affects everybody in my life. And it's not until he finally gets through the tough skin, the hard head, the stiff neck, saying, come to me, I need to speak with you in this desert, quiet place. I need you to find some rest for what you're about to do. And so he sets the disciples up. They've just come back from their journey. They're thinking they've just done what he's asked them to do. And now he brings them to this place where in the wilderness, write this down, keep this. Jeremiah 31 is the place at the beginning that says it is in the wilderness where they found grace and rest. It is not in everyday life. It is not in the normal routine. It is not in the up and down every morning. It is not just one more day. It's not just that I'm glad to be alive. I'm not just glad to be above ground. I've heard all these statements, which I think are are wonderful. I've asked people, how are you doing today? Well, it's better to be six foot above than six foot below. And I used to think to myself, wow. (laughs) Folks, that's not how we make it through. We don't make it through by just going through the grind by just boring out one more day. It's when we're called to that place, and this is why. It's in the place of the wilderness. Write this down in your mind and keep it. It's the place of preparation and purification throughout history. It's the place that God brings us to not only prepare us, but to purify us, to get us away from the sins, to bring us to the place where we need help, to bring us to the place where sins can be taken away, where things can be done away with. It was in the wilderness in which the goat was set free, in which the sins were placed on it, and it would run away, in which their sins could be taken away. It was in the symbolism that it is in the find of rest, it is in the time of rest that we can find ourselves purified right with God. It's not only for preparation and purification, but it prepares us for testing and temptation. Resist the devil and he'll what? flee. But I promise you, if you have not spent some time in a wilderness, then you've been giving in to some testing and temptations that you may sometimes say, man, this just doesn't seem like me. I just don't feel like I've been myself. I just, I just feel like I'm, I'm being overcome all the time. I'm doing things now I've never done before. 
I'm giving in to things I've never given in before. I'm acting in ways I've never acted before. My question to you is, well, have you listened to Jesus? Have you sought him in that deserted place to find preparation and purification for testing and temptation? And finally, because he tells us here in the scriptures, it so will be rested and restored. Everybody needs a break. All of us need rest. We all need to be restored. For when we fall on our faces and we find ourselves in sin, it's not until we experience his grace that we find the blessings of restoration. The wonderful thing about the Christian life for me is to be surrounded in a bunch of people, in a mass of people who have sinned, who find ourselves constantly finding the grace of restoration. That you can say, yes, I sinned. Yes, I failed. But it's in that restoration that I find a grace that nothing else in this world can offer me. It's in that presence of Jesus that you find he say to you, it's okay, I've forgiven you, you're restored. And that's what sets the stage for the Lord's Supper. Disciples, you just went out, you just did the things I told you to do, we've just finished sharing them, and now I'm asking you to be rested and restored because watch what's just about to happen. And so here's where the story picks up. They saw all these people going, and they ran out together on foot to meet him there in verse 34. When Jesus saw them in this huge crowd, he didn't get upset. You know the story. He didn't look at the masses and say, guys, we got to hurry. We're going to be bombarded. We're not going to have much time together. We're not going to be able to do this. It's almost like when you say to yourself, let's go out to dinner together so we can have some time. And when you get there, who do you run into? Your pastor. <laughs> uh, I didn't think we paid him enough money to go out to eat. I didn't know we did that. No, the truth of it is you go out to eat or you go shopping or you just want to get away. And so you go to the park and it's your next door neighbors or it's the one down the street. And the first response is frustration because we just wanted to be alone. We just needed to have some time. We just needed some rest. And Jesus, because he is so great and because he is such a shepherd, so different than we are, he didn't see the crowd coming because he knows as a burden or a hindrance or an obstacle because he saw them as sheep without a shepherd, and he wanted to teach in a very welcoming moment the importance of what eternity holds for everyone who comes to Jesus to be fed. And why would that make us upset? Why would that be so irksome? And Jesus, the Bible tells us, shows compassion you guys who love the languages, es phlegniste, it's a long spelled out word of compassion. Here's what I want you to know. It's only used in the New Testament a couple times, and it's only used for Jesus. It's not normal compassion. When Jesus said he showed compassion, or Mark tells us that, he's showing the great shepherd type of compassion, the compassion that is not without all these limitations that we have as human beings, not because he saw their sickness and only wanted to help a little, or maybe they needed to weary in their sin for a while so they would understand that, no, it was just simple, enormous grace to be able to show compassion in a way that none of us have been connected in the New Testament at all. I find that same thing when I think to myself, I've just read a favorite book, devotion, or an article, and it just doesn't compare when I'm in the scriptures with Jesus. It just doesn't compare when I find myself lying down before the Lord saying, why am I going through this? And he has compassion. And so when all the throngs come together, this, quote, super compassion, listen to this, he sees the need and he's able to fill the need and he wants to fill the need, which is why he puts the disciples, I believe, on the spot. Listen to the question that he simply says to them. He wants to have this compassion that is only used about him, experiences from the wilderness in Egypt, receiving manna, if you wish, from above, always being provided in the presence of the Father, not knowing where it would come from next, not knowing where they were headed, but to simply trust in one who has compassion 
longed to be fed until they could be in a land in which they were saved. Do you see the history of the setting of being in the wilderness? It's the place God has provided, and they needed no more. Every day. And the crowd comes to Jesus. He sees them, and he's determined to meet their need. And then he puts them on the spot, and he says, feed them. If I could paraphrase for just a moment, you're asking me to feed all these people? You're acting as though I have what it takes to give what they need. They respond by saying this way, do you not realize it would take 200 denarii to do this? That was an easy excuse. If you've done your research, you know that's about 200 days worth of wages. Almost three quarters of a year, they're looking at each other going, look, could you do that? Could you foot this? I mean, if we put our money together right now, could we go do this right now? And that wasn't the point. I think the whole point was Jesus was looking at him and saying, look, these people are coming with the greatest need they'd ever had. And they're going to be fed with something nobody else could offer. And it was a way of saying, look, I just sent you out to do all these things. Why don't you feed them? And it was a way of being humbled that even though we are under shepherds, and even though Jerry wants to be the one who can provide for all of your needs, can take all of your burdens, heal all of your hurts, take all of your pains. I want to be the greatest under-shepherd that this earth has ever seen. I want to walk amongst the greatest. I want to be held up in the honor of all. I would love for it to be, when I'm compared with any pastor out there, that we have the best pastor, right? I could keep going if you want me to. But it's in this place of the wilderness that I realize I can't even compare. Because, Lord, there's days I can't even give you what you truly need. What good is a pastor like that? Why would you want to trust in me? A sinner. Struggles in his own jobs, his own home, his own relationships own church, own decision-making. As an under-shepherd, I would hope and pray that you're not putting your trust in me, but that you would hear me say when Jesus says to me in this still quiet place, Jerry, why don't you feed them? That I have to say, you really think I can do that with what I have? And it's a way of him saying, Jerry, don't worry, I got this. Your job as the under-shepherd was to lead them to who? The great shepherd of the sheep. All of the history through the wilderness, Jesus brings them to the same place and says, look, the promise was there that one day would be fulfilled, and gentlemen, here it is. You're watching it take place. You're going to see something that you've never seen before, and I hope your eyes are open to things that no one else may see. And he begins to share with them when he says, bring them together, feed them. And as Jesus begins to do so, he realizes as they needed a great shepherd, Jesus would do it and he would feed them. Listen to what it says. He began to teach them. Yes, he took care of their physical needs. He's going to feed them. But alongside of that came this teaching, the thing that we probably lack most in the church today. I say it gently because I'm one of those leaders. And so I criticize myself as I criticize others that we're living in a day today where many churches have pastors and they're not feeding the people. Churches are caught up today, and we've said it a thousand times, more important on how many are coming and what it looks like. How do we function? What's the systems? What are the programs? Are we keeping things clean? Are we expanding the buildings? Are we reaching out to the lost? Do we have our pastors so strong? I, I am so thankful for my job. But the one thing we're not getting is the sheep that are being fed, being taught the Word of God. And as the old saying goes, when the sheep aren't being fed, that's when they start biting at each other. They're hungry. And if they're not being fed from the front, they're going to start biting at each other. 
and you know, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. We live in a world of division. Because when people aren't being in the social situation, they'd rather see it in an easy light. It's less worrisome. It's not as much obligation. We don't have to give up as much. We're living in a world that demands so much from us and our participation in it that for us to do what God would ask us to do, we'd have to leave our jobs, some of us. We'd have to leave some of our friends behind. We'd have to move on from some of our obligations and we'd have to find ourselves in what felt like a wilderness. A wilderness. A place that Jesus would bring us to prep us and purify us to prepare us for the temptations and the testings and to give us rest and restoration so that he could feed us. Oh, not just physically. I like this part of the story because Jesus is teaching them and he's teaching so long the people are ready to go eat and they have to ask him to stop. Makes me feel like I'm just like Jesus. You may not have caught that in the text, but Jesus could teach that long. Why can't I? Sometimes we're racing the clock, but no, that's not what happened. The day was growing out, the hours were weary, and they had to go find food. And yet Jesus is there not only physically, but spiritually. He turns the tables as he begins to feed them, and we begin to understand what's really going on. The place is this secluded place, already late. He shows compassion of a good shepherd, which the story could pick up in John chapter 10. The writer of John says it this way in John 10. I came not as a thief to kill, steal, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it what? Abundantly. The word translated overflowing. To have it with extra. As we will see what happens when Jesus feeds them. It's John 10, 11 when he simply says this. It's not just about the teaching. It's not just about the physical element of being hungry. It's when Jesus simply says, and I am the good shepherd. And here's what he says. I lay down my life for the sheep. I'm not just going to give you bread. I will be giving you my life so that you truly find rest and restoration. Restoration with the Father, to be in a right relationship, to know that you've been alienated and estranged and things just aren't right. But it's when Jesus feeds us that we realize this is what I need. This is where I need to find healing. This is where I need to live. It's here that I find myself restored. He took those loaves, as you know, and began to break them. As he says it here in the story... He wanted to meet their need. He wanted to feed them, give them more than they realized they needed. Two fish. That was their answer, right? In some stories, later on, five. I bet you they were thinking in their mind as their eyes were being opened that, you know what? If he could take them through the crossing of the Red Sea and part the waters and drown the enemy, he can probably overcome a few fish as their eyes were being opened to who he really was. As he would lead his people from Egypt to the wilderness where he would feed them and nourish them and train them and prep them and provide for them, I think their eyes began to be opened and listen to the words that Jesus uses. He goes a step further. Here's what it says in verse 41. He took the five loaves, the two fish, looking toward heaven. He blessed the food, broke the loaves, and gave them to the disciples again and again. It's the word translated as an ongoing, so some would have it in italics. You know what's so amazing about that verse? For those of you who love studying, those four verbs listed in that sentence Laban, Eulogason, Cataclossan, and Adidu. You won't remember those. I remember Cataclossan because of Larry and Ruth. 
I won't bring up all the pickles, but cataclossin meant broken. And if you don't have pickles, you're broken. And so the clausins remind me of brokenness, pickles. I'll always remember cataclossin, and so will you. But the four verbs in the Greek that are used, listen to the order. He took, he blessed, he broke, and he gave. The exact same verbs used in the Lord's Supper when we institute the Lord's Supper. He took, he blessed, he broke, and he gave. Not only did this look back to the Exodus, he's looking forward to what the disciples need to know. I'm going to feed you. Later on, we'll learn it, but it's in the Lord's Supper that we realized, catch this, all of these verbs. We go back to looking that it's the feeding of the 5,000 in the wilderness in the past, the thousands of the Israelites, that we realize it's the promise that there would be bread for life. It's here that he offers the bread of life. It's in his crucifixion that he will give himself as bread of life. And it's there at the banquet table that we will enjoy the feast for eternal life. All at the feeding of the 5,000. A glimpse of our eyes that have been opened. And that's what it says us things to tide us over. He doesn't just come and give us some of the Holy Spirit, a little bit of grace, a touch of mercy. He comes to give us life abundantly. Others might tickle your fancy and help you through the day, through the week, through a broken relationship, a torn apart home, a split church, a fractured family. Oh, they'll give you whatever it takes until you have something better. But Jesus never gives us a little bit in hopes that we'll have more of his love or grace. Oh, we will experience, if you wish, face to face that which may be different, but he loves us no more then than he does now. He gives us no more grace then than he does now, no more mercy then than he does now. We have heaven on earth. And the feeding of the 5,000 reminds us of the past and God's provision. It reminds us of this present situation in which we rely upon him and about the future in which one day we will share together with him. Satisfied in Jesus, you will never be wanting again. I pray for you this morning. Whatever it is that you have feasted on in this world, you would realize its shallowness and emptiness will always prevail. That if you truly want healing, you truly want rest, you truly want purification and restoration, you must come to Jesus. You must let him feed you, and you will find rest. Oh, as the people left, they realized there were baskets left over. There was plenty in the wilderness. If you remember, the manna was so much, they were even told, don't collect the leftover. You don't need it. When Elisha was dealing with the widow's oil, they were told, don't worry about it. It's just not going to run out. It'll just keep coming. When Elijah had the pot that he mixed with all of the flour inside it, it just kept giving and giving. It would never run out. Folks, I don't know how to tell you, but throughout history, when Jesus fed the 12, I think I'll tell you why there was 12 baskets left over. It was one for each of the disciples who were feeding that they would realize there would always be so much more than they would ever need. Coming to Jesus 
in the wilderness. To let him feed us and to restore us. To know that we have a chance to feed with him forever. It makes sense when you're filled with Jesus to the abundant life of overflowing and that you could have a similar compassion for others. It makes sense now why Jesus could say to the disciples, well, feed them. If you're supposed to be like me, feed them. He looked at Peter and he simply said what? Feed my sheep. And he looks here to us in 1 John 3.16 and says, As I have laid down my life for you, so you ought to lay down your life for another. The true giving as Jesus gave to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we prepare for the Lord's Supper, Father, as we prepare for feeding, that it not just be physical, but that our faith be strengthened, that we find ourselves this morning in this wilderness where we have trusted in so much, but not you. We have fallen so short and need to be fed. Feed us. Father, I pray if there is anyone here this morning that has never made a profession of faith, that has never trusted completely in you, that they would open their heart and mind, that your Holy Spirit would convict them. And this morning they would say, Lord, I need my sins forgiven. And only you can forgive me. I trust in your death, your life. I trust in your kingship over me. And I ask that you save me. Please feed me the rest of my days. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As we come to the Lord's table, I'm going to ask if our elders and deacons that help would please come forward. In your bulletin, you will see that there are a song that we share. And after we get started, we're going to invite you to sing with us. We'll sing the first two verses together, and then we will share together. And then we will sing the next. But Paul simply said at the Lord's table, he said, that which I have been given, I offer to you. And in a moment, I will share that with you. But in the meantime, I'm going to ask that as we take the bread and pass them out, that you please take a piece, hold on to it, so that we can all take together in just a moment. Please, as they pass. We'll sing together the first stanzas as they pass it out. If you're here and you've made that profession of faith, take one. If not, please let it pass.
While they finish passing it out, let me just read as they come forward. I I say to you, I am the door of the sheep, and all those who come before me are thieves and robbers. The sheep do not listen to them, but I am the door, and if anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find green pasture. It's amazing that here in this story of the 5,000, Jesus brings them out into the wilderness and sits them down in the middle of green pastures. It's not just coincidence. It's not just happenstance. For I received from the Lord, which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took the bread. He broke it, and he had given thanks, and he said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So in the same way this morning, I'm going to ask that you take one of the trays or the cups. Please hold on to them until we can all take together. In the meantime, we will begin singing together the last two stanzas together. Paul said, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy way shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. A person must examine himself, and in so doing, then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For the one who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not properly recognize the body. It's for this reason that so many have been weak and sick and a number are asleep. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged in the same way he said this is my blood the new covenant poured out for you as often as you drink it do this in remembrance of me let's drink heavenly father 
we came to be fed, and we have been fed. And we have baskets and baskets left over. Thank you for being so gracious, for being so merciful and so loving. Thank you for giving us your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. If you would stand and join with me as we sing our closing hymn together. It's there printed for you in the bulletin, or if you want to follow the music that's written, you can turn to hymn number 605, All the Way. Before you receive the benediction, let me remind you that we are fellowshipping downstairs. David and Suzette are here with us, but I ask that you, if you're leaving, we'll forgive you, but you can still come and visit them. But if not, if you're staying, please let them go downstairs so we can get the fellowship started. And uh, instead of staying up here the whole time, we want them to be a part of the fellowship downstairs. But let me say a quick blessing for the food. And when you get down there, I'm handing the charge over to Vicki Perry. So uh, she's in charge. So if you're down there, let's pray. Heavenly Father, bless this food, this fellowship. We're so thankful for David and Suzette. We're thankful, Lord, that we're going to be able to continue, uh, Father, just serving our community as under shepherds here. Lord, work through us. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you receive the benediction, Paul simply said, and may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And God's children said, Amen. Amen. Have a great Lord's Day.